so nice to hear us all chatting, but I just want to interrupt you to introduce the, um, our guest speaker this morning, the wonderful Michelle Scott. Um, Michelle and her husband are lead pastors of the Vineyard Church in Dungannon, or Fungannon, as I have. Fungannon, I always like to call it that. Um, and Michelle is also one of our directors on our board of trustees for the church here. Um, it is so amazing to have her with us. We absolutely love um, what she brings and carries. And I have to say that in the Crosby household, um, their, their talks uh, got us through lockdown. So, oh, that's cool. So, so yeah, so thanks very much for that. <laughs> um, but can I just pray for you, Michelle? Yeah, I love Brilliant. that. Thank you. Yeah, so come Holy Spirit. Lord, put your words on Michelle's tongue. Yeah, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what you want to speak through her. I just thank you for what she carries. She carries just wisdom of years of following you and of saying yes. I thank you for her faithfulness, Lord, to you. Yeah, yeah, and she is still continuing to walk with you, and I just thank you so much for that, Lord. Yeah, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kate. So lovely to be here with you. Um, last time I was with you, you were in the school. Yeah. Yeah, pre-lockdown. Oh, pre-lockdown. It's awful talking about it still, isn't it? I kind of feel like a wee bit of a, oh, every time someone talks about lockdown, COVID, any of those things, I'm like, oh, dear me. Do you remember those awful days? Um, so how are we all doing? I had a wee bit of a, a technical nightmare there because... Um, yeah, I turned off my computer and then I couldn't get back online, but I managed to fix it all. I'm so impressed with myself, you know. You know, us women can actually do all these things. Just saying. Um, <coughs> maybe I shouldn't have started there. Maybe that wasn't the best place to start, but hey. Um, I just want to send love and blessings from Vineyard Church Dungannon. Um, there's just seems like such a connection between us and yourselves. I mean, there's a, a deep friendship between Jason and I and Paul and Chantel, but also our young people have a great connection as well that's, that started with Crash and has continued on and on through lots of trips up and down. And I know so many of our young people have benefited from the relationship with the young people here at Craig Fergus Vineyard. So I'm really grateful for that. And I love watching how God does that. Um, our son... Micah is actually in Dublin this weekend hanging out with Laura Byrne and Anna Kerr and their friendship began through Crash years ago. These guys are now in their 20s and their friendship has remained through all the years. So it's just lovely to see our kids and our teenagers from other churches connecting and like feeling like part of this wider, bigger family that is Vineyard. Um, so it's fantastic to watch that happen. Um, I have also put up some of the the Daniels boys a couple of times in our house and <laughs> got them clothes and stuff when they weren't staying. No, we're not staying. Definitely not staying the next minute. Uh, can I stay? Yes, you can. Of course you can. We'll get you spare clothes, toothbrush, whatever else that you may need. No problem whatsoever. Um, I realize that you have been in a series on um, rest and Sabbath. Correct. So if I repeat anything today, uh, please forgive me, okay? Because I'll be honest, I don't have the time to go and listen to all the talks that went before. I'm sorry. I'm sure they were wonderful. I'm, I'm really confident they were, but um, I, uh, I have recently gone by vocational um, with church. So I work for VCD now just one day a week, and then I have another 
normal job, what I like to call it. So um, my time is a wee bit more limited than it used to be. Otherwise, I would have definitely listened to the talks for sure. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn to Genesis chapter 2, verse 1? Um, apologies, I don't have a PowerPoint this morning, but I'm just going to be jumping through uh, a few passages, a few verses, and I'm sure it'll be easy enough for you to follow along. And Genesis 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Just before this, in Genesis 1, we have the account of creation, of all the things, all the creation unfolding and God creating this amazing universe that we get to call home and we get to be a part of. And then it says that on the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so he rested from all his work. Now, every time I read these verses, it fascinates me. It fascinates me that God chooses to rest. You see, because God's not like us, and I know you know all this, okay, but God is not like us. We are made in his image, but in no way ever is God made in ours. And sometimes we can get that wee bit confused. But God does not need to rest. He doesn't tire. He doesn't get weary. But here we see he chooses rest. He's finished all his work of creation and he rested. I think it's always very important when we notice these things and we go, oh, well, why? And I, I love and I encourage you as you read scripture, come to it with curiosity. As you read maybe familiar scriptures that you've read time and time and time again, bring with you curiosity. Ask yourselves, now, why is that? Then I want us to jump to Leviticus 25. And Leviticus 25, verses 1 to 12. And I'm going to read, I'm going to run through these quickly with us. Then the Lord said to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you enter the land I am going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. Do you remember this is the same land that God created in Genesis? Same land. For six years, sow your fields, and for six years, prune your vineyards and gather your crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. Whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you, for yourself, your male and female servants, and the hired worker and temporary residents who live among you, as well as your livestock and the wild animals in your land. Whatever the land produces may be eaten. Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven, so that the seventh Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. 
consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow, do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines, for it is a jubilee and it is holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. Here we see throughout from creation right in Genesis 1 to God gives Moses the law and how this people of Israel are to live. We see this invitation to rest. In fact, it's more than just an invitation. It's a very clear commandment to rest. Um, and I want us to see that this is an invitation from God. I don't know how you grew up or what um, context maybe your church was when you were growing up. Maybe for you, Sabbath, the word Sabbath brings you out in a rash because it was you weren't allowed to play football or you weren't allowed to do this or you had to not watch TV and it was full of the, all the things that you couldn't do. It was all the no's, 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 no's. And I love that in recent years, I know for me personally, that, that God has redeemed Sabbath for me in so many ways. And I realize as I read these verses and as I, as I look at the intention of God in creating these specific times of rest, of refreshment, that I see that his intention is not for me to keep rules and regulations, but his intention is an invitation to draw closer to him. It's an invitation to trust him more. So why does God prescribe so specifically the Sabbath, the seven-year Sabbath and the Jubilee? And so often, how many of you before have heard of the seven-day Sabbath? Yeah, a couple of you. See, most times I've heard of the Sabbath Sabbath, like the once a day, once a week Sabbath. And I've heard of the Jubilee, and in context, and I love the Jubilee, and I'm not, I promise, I'm not going to talk about that today, because I could literally talk about the Jubilee Jubilee for a month, because it's all about the poor, and it's all about the marginalized, and it's all about all that, but I'm not, that's not my remit today, I am not going there today, okay? But so little have I ever heard of the seven-year Sabbath. And this is more than, I, I love that God created the land, that he created the world, that he created the animals, he created the livestock, he created the plants, he created the very soil and the very earth. And in the midst of all that, there's this need for rest. Because even the land needs to rest. I realize I'm not in I'm like Dorothy. I'm not in Kansas anymore. I'm not in Tyrone anymore. I don't know how many farmers I have in the room. Any farmers? None. Okay, that's what I guessed. <laughs> I guess that. But if any of you have any experience of agriculture, it's so important that farmers rest their fields. I don't know if you have a field near your house, but I want you to look and observe. I mean, we have a field across from us, and sometimes it's growing silage. Other times it has cows in it. Currently it's, it's housing lambs, sheep. But there's, there's a rotation Good farmers rotate. So this idea, this God's idea of the seventh year rest is actually, uh, I'm not saying this like it's a surprise, it is complete wisdom that still carries on today in agricultural practices. There is a need for specific rest. 
I don't know about you, and, and maybe this is just me, but have you ever been really, really exhausted? Yeah. Like, so exhausted that even though people come and ask you to do something else, you still say yes. Because you're so far past yourself, you can't even say no anymore. And you're like running around like headless chicken and you're trying to do all the things all the time and you just keep, you're just like going, if I stop, I am either going to collapse or all these plates that I'm spinning are going to fall to the ground. And the worst thing anybody can do when you're in that place is come up to you and say, I think you need a rest. I may or may not have almost punched someone when they've done that to me. Jason this week, my husband has the flu. And um, I'll be honest, right, I'll be really honest. At the start of the week, I thought, this is not real flu. I was like, Jason, I think you have a cold. I think it's just a wee cold. This day last week, I was saying, I think it's a wee cold. And he is like, no, I really don't feel good. I was like, no, I think it's just a cold. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, he's doing this whole man thing where he's so sick. And no one else has ever been this sick before but him and whatever. <clears throat> But as the week has gone on, he has become more and more unwell, and he has really got the flu, right? But Jason is terrible at resting. He is, like, I'm out at my job, and I'll come home, and he has is grey again because he hasn't rested. And I'm like, going, what did you do today? Oh, I just did another 500 words of my essay. I'm like... That's not resting. He's like, I know, but I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting there. And I was like, no, look at you. You looked awful. And he went to a football match on Tuesday night, which also was really stupid, and he shouldn't have done that. And he's really... So now he's set himself back by about three days getting over this virus because he just won't lie in bed and rest. Anybody else done that? Yeah. You see, the most healthy, balanced people I know, they know how to rest. The most healthy, balanced people I know in life, regardless of what sphere of life they are in, they are people who don't need permission to rest. In fact, they'll nearly, they're, they're nearly like an affront to you because they rest, they take resting so seriously. Do you know what I mean? It's like, how, how dare you rest so much? But actually, you look at their lives and you see that they are emotionally more healthy. Their, their, their spiritual lives with God are, is in a way better place. Physically, they're in a better place. And it's because they have intentionally and purposely established rhythms of rest in their lives. They are great at taking their Sabbath days. They are great at setting aside a day in their week, which doesn't have to be a Sunday, which can be whatever day. If you're in ministry, Sundays aren't really, can't be Sabbaths because we're working. But whatever day it is, and for other people who work shift work, you have to carve out what that looks like for you individually, what that looks like. The importance is that you do it, not what day you do it on. But people that are healthy, they, have, they, they, are, they are really super intentional with their, their rest. They take their holidays. I guess in this room that there's some of you, and you are terrible at even taking your leave off work. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up. I'm not going to name and shame you. But there are some of you, and you are the one that your boss is coming to and saying, right, you, at the end of the year, you need to use your life. We need to learn to live lives in this rhythm, and we see it in Scripture. God has invited us into these rhythms of rest, and they are an invitation. They are an invitation to stop producing. When we look at this, this seven-year Sabbath, You are to not sow your fields. 
Imagine you're, you're a farmer. You're back in these days of Moses, and this is your, this is your survival. Saying, don't sow your, don't sow your seed. Don't plow the ground. You're not to do it. You're not to prune your vineyards. You are to trust that I am going to provide for you what you need. Not just you, but your household and your servants. And it says, and any residents, temporary residents that live among you, anybody, random people that you've took into your house, I'm also going to feed them too. I'm going to provide for them as well. There is this invitation to stop producing, to stop striving, to stop providing for others in ways that we, we do and God invites us to do. But, but these rhythms of rest, of stopping, and they are so that we can trust God. Do you trust God? It's a big question, Michelle, you say. I find myself that when I really know if I trust God is when I have hit the end of myself. When I have come to the end of myself and I have no good ideas left, I only have a few a year anyway, don't have any good ideas left, I don't have any of my own natural resources left, I don't have the wisdom that I have accumulated from other people left, and I find myself right at the very bottom of the... There, I'm scraping the, the last bits out of the barrel of myself for anything at all. And I come to that place and I come to God and I have to trust him. A few years ago, a good few years ago now, Jason began to practice Sabbath. And he was super intentional about it, still is super intentional about it. Our boys were younger at the time. Um, they were still at school, still living at home. They're now 22, 23, and 25, so they're not so much a responsibility anymore. Um, but in that time, and Jason would set aside his Friday was his Sabbath, or his Saturday. I can't remember which day it was. Anyway, one of the days. Saturday was his Sabbath. And uh, we would have Friday and Saturday off, but his Saturday was his Sabbath, and it was, I mean, there was no... He spent Friday preparing for the Saturday, so he would do all the things he needed to do. Jason's great. He does most of the cleaning. It's great. I lucked out with him. Um, I do, don't worry. I do, my, I do do my share of domestic duties, but he is in charge of the cleaning. Um, he would make sure and get that all done on a Friday. He would get himself all organized so he could have Saturday completely off. No producing. He's super good as well. He would have his talk done on a Thursday PowerPoint in the Dropbox. I didn't even have a PowerPoint today. You can guess we're not alike. I mean, we just don't work the same at all. But, he, but do you know what? As a, he would practice this rhythm of Sabbath, what I began to see was I began to see him flourish. And I began to see in his life um, a settling come on him. Like I, I could see where he was. Um, I would read people talking about we should um, operate from a place of rest rather than operating out of rest. And I began to see that coming in his life, right? And mostly I was happy about it, I'll be honest. Mostly I was, but there was part of me was really annoyed. Because I would just go, oh, it's all right for you. Mm -hmm. Do you know who's helping you, Sabbath? Me. I am making this happen for you. I really wasn't the totally supportive wife that I should have been. And, and I resented his Sabbath. 
You see, sometimes we can resent the good things that God has because we don't want to do the work of implementing. The truth is, when I realized how to manage my own Sabbath, I realized that the key is preparation. And we see this in the Old Testament as well. We see the preparation that has to go into Sabbath. Do you remember when the, when the people of Israel were in the wilderness and the manna came and they had manna for every single day, but on the sixth day they had to collect twice as much manna for the next day. And it stayed. It stayed good. If they did that any other day, it spoiled. But on the sixth day, but they had to prepare for that. There's a preparation that comes. And if we want to take the time and to, to take this invitation of God to really build in rhythms of rest into our lives, then we need to be disciplined in, in the preparation for that. And that will look different for all of us, completely different. And I love that Jesus, when he stands up in look for, because some of you might be thinking, oh, Michelle, all this talk about Sabbath and rest and all that. Maybe it's just an Old Testament thing, and now we don't need to bother about it. Jesus in Luke 4 stands up in the temple, and he speaks his manifesto. And he, he talks about, and he says, um, I have came to proclaim good news to the poor, sight to the blind. And then at the end, he says, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Well, the year of the Lord's favor is Jubilee. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying Jubilee is here. Jubilee has come because here's the thing. Even though in the Old Testament, even though in the, in the law of Moses, God clearly set out that there should be a Jubilee. There is no record of Jubilee ever being enacted. There is no record that Israel ever actually enacted the Jubilee that they were intended to enact. That makes me sad. And yet we see then that the prophets and throughout the rest of the Old Testament, there's this call to Jubilee. There's this call, and then it becomes this prophetic movement towards a, a full jubilee to come through Jesus. And ultimately, these times of rest, these times of Sabbath, through the seven-year Sabbath, these times of jubilee, is that, that we realize and we acknowledge that we worship a God who brings freedom. And we see this in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The jubilee's objective, full objective, is to release from sin it's for restoration to God. It's the resetting of all of creation back to how it was always intended to be. This morning, I, I want you to see that rest and reset is an invitation from God for all of us. Now, can I encourage you to take some time? Um, I don't know if you're starting a new series next week, are you? Yep. Sometimes we start new series and what we do is we just jump ahead and we just jump into the next thing. I want to give you some homework this week. Is that okay? Is that okay, guys, if I give your guys homework? I just did, so yeah, I'm just about to. I want to really encourage you to take what you have learned and what God has been um, carefully poking you about in this series. In fact, I want to encourage you, you see those things that you've heard that you've felt resistance to? I want you to lean into those. Don't just go to the bits that you like, because we do that. We like to do the things we like. 
But if there's been anything that's kind of you've felt resistance about, I want you to go and sit with Jesus with that area of resistance. And I want you and him to come up with a plan for how you can take on this invitation of rest in your life. Because it looks different for every single person sitting in these seats. For Jason and I who live in the same house, it looks different. For each of you, it looks different. But if you begin to build into your life this rhythm of rest, of trust in God that he will provide when you stop, this place of trying to reorientate your life instead of operating, 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 then resting, instead of how about if we rested and then everything in our lives flowed from that place? Where we give God this one day a week and we said, God, here is this day, here is this day that I'm given to you for you to come and I am trusting you. I am going to be replenished in you. And then we look at other areas and times in our lives when we can dedicate maybe a longer time. What about our holidays? What about other maybe book, getting ourselves booked into a retreat or something else in the year when you're sitting planning out your year? What about we start to specifically set time aside where we can be with God and be replenished by him? That's your homework. Now, I am so thankful as a pastor to be part of a movement like Vineyard that values rhythms of rest for our pastors. Now, we're not the only church denomination that does this, but I can only speak for Vineyard um, and with any authority because I'm part of the Vineyard family and have been now leading 19 years. This is where you all say I don't look old enough. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Although I do have more gray hairs than I did have 19 years ago, but anyway, that's enough said. Um, so I get to speak to you today um, about this, about rest and about Sabbath and the importance of it because I am a vineyard pastor, but also I am really thankful to be uh, a part of the board of directors in Carrick Fergus Vineyard. And one of the things that Vineyard sets out really clearly, and this is Vineyard Churches UK in Ireland, I might refer to them as VC UK, I, for the rest of this, just if it slips up, if that slips out of my tongue, what I mean is the greater family of Vineyard Churches UK in Ireland. And one of the things that they set out and that they are very, very intentional about is that our pastors should have an extended time of sabbatical. A bit like this sab seven-year Sabbath that I talked about in Leviticus. You see, and this is the bit where Paul and Chantel are going to get very embarrassed, so I'm not going to look at them for the next wee bit. But leading a church, and I'm going to talk about from my experience and from theirs as well, and from any other senior pastors that I know, is that leading a church can be incredibly exhausting. And it costs us more than most people know, and that's not at all per us. But there is a cost that we are willing to pay as senior pastors. We're willing to pay it. There's a cost to our families. There's a cost to ourselves. And the weight of the, what we carry in taking on the responsibility and the love for the local church is a weight that we're willing to carry, but it is a weight nonetheless. And carrying that weight can begin to have an effect and an impact on us. 
And what I love in Vineyard is they have set, and exactly like I'm talking about, they want us as senior pastors to operate from a place of rest rather than burnout. That is their hope and expectation. The fact that they encourage, not just encourage, they actually, in the VCUK trustees handbook, because we have one, because I read it this week, maybe for the first time, but don't tell anyone. Um, but there is, um, even as horrified that I just said that out loud. Uh, but part of that is that there is an understanding and also a commitment to our pastors that we would see them run their race well. And not just run their race well, but they would finish their race. And I don't know about you guys, well I do, because I assume if you're here that you love Paul and Chantel, that we wanna see these guys finish their race well. We wanna be cheering them on right to the very end of their race. And to do that, and part of that, is that they need a gift and it's important that they have this gift and this invitation to rest in a sabbatical. Now, for some of you, you're like going, I've never heard of that before. But it's basically, it's set apart where pastors get to, they get to, they get to use that whatever way they feel with God that they want to use that. That can be for rest. It can be for reset, like I talked about. It can be for study. It can be for whatever. And it's usually about three months long. And it is more than actively encouraged, let me tell you that. It is something that trustees, if your board is not suggesting it for you, I'm hoping my board is listening because I had my last one 10 years ago. But hey, hope you're watching. Um, <laughs> I need another sabbatical. Um, but it is something that's strongly recommended in here, and that's the why. The why is exactly everything I've talked about. This is not an entitlement. This is not like a bonus scheme for senior pastors, let me tell you. It's not that. This is a way of investing in Paul and Chantel and their family. Jason and I were able to take a sabbatical 10 years ago. And it's, it was a long time in the, in, the, in the planning and everything else. And at the time... We weren't sure what it was going to look like, but we had to specifically plan it. Our boys were 13, 14, and 15 at the time, and it was crazy in one way to go away for nine weeks with three teenage boys, and our expectations were that we needed to rest, we wanted to reset, we wanted to reconnect with Jesus and reconnect with him in a way that we, without the weight of leadership on our shoulders for three months, and I cannot begin to tell you the difference that made. One of the biggest benefits for us that I didn't see and was the kindness and the grace of God was what he did in our family and with our boys. To have complete, uninterrupted, intentional time with them was the greatest gift. God spoke to us. He refreshed us. He realigned us. Um, Sergi had a, a word for me this morning before when we were praying about a compass and Times of rest, whether, and this is my prayer for Paul and Chantel as they um, plan and take a sabbatical later on this year, is that there's just a realigning. There is a, so often we can be going along and we're heading in the direction of God and it's so easy just to come off kilter just ever so slightly. 
And my prayer for these guys in their sabbatical is that God would just realign their vision and their, and their sight to just be solely and fully on him. Not that it isn't. But this is an opportunity for a realignment. This is an opportunity for refreshing. And, and uh, for you guys as a church, this is also an amazing opportunity for you guys to step up. You have great leaders here in this church. You have great leaders. You have an amazing assistant pastor, associate, assistant associate, one or the other. I never know the difference, to be honest with you. Um, Kate is amazing. You have, this is an opportunity for you guys to step in and step up in a way that, that you don't have a chance to when your senior pastors are here. Um, but this, more than anything, is an opportunity for you to pour into their lives the way they pour day and daily into yours. Um, so the board, we have been talking about this now. We were hoping they could take a sabbatical in 2020. Again, we're back to that awful COVID word and lockdown and everything else, and it wasn't going to work for them to take it then. But this summer, the plan is, and if they don't, I'm going to give them a kick. <laughs> they have to take their sabbatical this summer. It's overdue. And as again, as I said, this is not about entitlement. This is about loving and caring for your pastors. And I love that in Vineyard, we have it set in stone. It's clearly detailed in the trustees' handbook that this is something as a board we should be making sure that our senior pastors avail of for their good, but also for the good of the church. There will still be fruit. There will still be fruit. We came back after three months and we met people for the first time that weren't part of the church before we left. Who kind of were like, who are you? We're actually senior pastors. <laughs> and some of those people are pivotal, pivotal people in our church life now. You will, the church will grow. There will be fruit. There will be grapes on the vine. There will be uh, food in the fields. God takes care of his church. You will not lack anything during this time. There is no need to be afraid. There's no need to be nervous. None of those things. There will be a clear plan in place of if something goes wrong, who do you contact? If you need something, who's that going to be? The trustees and the leaders in the church will make sure that that is all in place and clearly communicated to you. Just as I finish, this is also what I felt the Lord was saying to Paul and Chantel. In Psalm 23, it says, and he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. The Lord is inviting you both. He's taking you by the hand and he's leading you beside still waters to restore your soul. There is so much more that he has for you guys. There is a, you're not even a third away through the race. 13 years Serving and leading is not anywhere near the end. There's many more years left. There's many more yeses that he's going to ask of you. And this time is a time for you to be restored so that when you come back that you're operating from rest.